Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Hey, listen, grab your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, and the Gospel of John. Matthew chapter 2, John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. You can use your electronic devices. If you, didn't, uh, if, if you didn't bring it or don't have it, then you can read along with us on the screens. Matthew 2. Verse 13 says, After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother. And they stayed there in Egypt until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. Now, verse 21 gives you the the other end of that story. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel from Egypt with Jesus and his mother. But when they when he learned that the new ruler of Judea was Herod's son Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. And then after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in a town called Nazareth. And this is this fulfilled what the prophets have said, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, let's look at John chapter 1 verses 45 and 46. Jesus is beginning to call his 12 disciples. Philip had already met Jesus. He went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. And look at what Nathanael said. Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip said, come see for yourself. Come see for yourself. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we have time to dive into it today and share for just a few minutes. And I pray, God, that you would help us to, to, uh, to take this, the bread of life, and take it uh, into ourselves and consume it and apply it in our lives. Lord, I pray that we are challenged and encouraged by your word today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I've got, I've got a brief... Uh, and simple message today, and and I don't want to complicate it. So we're just going to kind of dive right into it. This is the this is the message that's sort of been on my heart all this Christmas season, and I'm going to do my best to try to communicate it the way I feel it. Okay, uh, after the wise men left uh, and went back to their land without going back and reporting the, his whereabouts to Herod, uh, King Herod went on a rampage. And it's not certainly not the most pleasant part of this of the Christmas story, but he gave the inconceivably brutal order to kill all the baby boys in in Bethlehem under the age of two. But just before he gave that order, God warned Joseph 
in a dream to get Mary and Jesus and escape to Egypt. And they stayed there for an unspecified amount of time until Herod died. And once he died, the Lord told Joseph that it was safe to go back to Israel. So Joseph chose to go back to his hometown of Nazareth. Nazareth is just a little village in northern Israel, close to the border of what we call today Syria and Jordan and Lebanon. Okay, So this leads to a couple of interesting ways to identify Christ. I told you last week I was sort of hung up this year, uh, sort of captured by the names that were associated with Jesus in the Christmas account in the Bible. It says in this passage that because of, uh, because of the fact that they moved to Egypt, it fulfilled the prophecy that said, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, would not be Egyptian, but he would be called out of Egypt. All right, And then when he moved to Nazareth, that gave Jesus maybe his most frequently used title or identity, and that is Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus the Nazarene. This is why I think this is important, and I want us to focus on the first one, the last one first, Jesus of Nazareth. Just for context, I threw in that little comment from Nathaniel from John chapter 1 who said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Nazareth was this little village in the region of Galilee. Uh, sometimes it's referred to as Galilee of the Gentiles. There was a major trade route, a highway, if you will, that went right across the top of Galilee. So there were lots of people from all over the world, lots of different kinds of people that came right through there. The people of the region of Galilee were considered by the folks in Jerusalem to be second-class citizens, spiritually and socially. The interesting thing about Nathaniel's comment is that Nathaniel is also from Galilee. So he, he wasn't thumbing his, looking down his nose at Jesus from being at Galilee. He was simply resigned to the common belief that if you're looking for the cream of the crop uh, in any category, you were not going to find it in Nazareth or really any other part of Galilee. All right, And yet here is Jesus. Now think of all the titles and all the names and all the identifiers of Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Anointed One. The Chosen One. The Messiah. The Son of God. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Emmanuel. And the Nazarene. See, that last one just doesn't go with all the other ones. All these majestic and royal titles that he'd been given. And then Jesus of Nazareth. It just doesn't make any sense. The center of all things Jewish was Jerusalem. Right? The scholars were in Jerusalem. The leaders were in Jerusalem. Everything that was considered good and right was in Jerusalem. And here is Jesus in Nazareth. His ministry headquarters, when he started his, head, his ministry at age 30, was in Capernaum, right in the heart of Galilee. All 12 of his disciples, to my knowledge, came from Galilee. Most of his ministry happened in Galilee. Most of his miracles were performed in Galilee. Most of his followers were from in and around Galilee. The holy and righteous Jesus, the one who would be the king of the Jews, grew up in Galilee. And it just doesn't make any sense. Can anything good 
come from Nazareth? Can anything good come from Galilee? Let me tell you why this matters. Have you ever been judged? Anybody ever judged you? Have you ever been underestimated? Have you ever been presumed to be unworthy? Like people, they just take a look at you and they think they know you. Right? They look at you and they size you up and they put you in a category and they scale you and they rate you and they don't even know you. Right? You, you ever been a victim of some form of prejudice? Anyone ever looked at you and decided that you didn't fit in? Anybody ever listened to you talk? Can I get some amens from some southerners up in here? Anybody ever listened to you talk and decided you were dumb? They looked at Peter on the night Jesus was arrested and was about to be crucified, and they said, I can tell by the way you talk, you're from Galilee. Ladies and gentlemen, that was not a compliment. When people spoke of Galilee, when they spoke of Nazareth, they spoke through gritted teeth. They, they spoke with a wrinkled nose, they, they, with a condescending look. If this, there was racial, there was religious rejection, there was racial overtones, there were spiritual presumptions, there was this belief that anything worthy and wise would come from Jerusalem, but here's Jesus of Nazareth. Why in the world? Nazareth. Of all the places in the world, Nazareth. 1 Corinthians begins to tell us why. Because God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to frustrate the people who were strong and had power and influence. God could have sent Joseph anywhere. He could have chosen any village, any city in Israel, but he chose Nazareth because Jesus came to upset the order of things. He came to demonstrate that the religious order in Jerusalem as it existed in that day had become too focused on things that didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. Jesus had to say revolutionary things like blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. People didn't talk like that in those days. Jesus had to come from the outside to let the outsiders know they were valuable to God too. Jesus had to be among the outcasts to let the outcasts know they were welcome in the kingdom of God too. He had to demonstrate that goodness doesn't depend on your geography. That holiness doesn't hinge on your heritage. That righteousness doesn't come from your race or your religion. That your value isn't viewed through a lens of wealth or prestige or power or influence. And all of that comes from God himself because only God is righteous. And it's only through relationship with him that you can be made righteous. Why does it matter that Jesus was called the Nazarene? Because it lets us know that even if you're from the wrong place, 
even if you're the wrong race, whatever that means, even if you have the wrong from the wrong side of the tracks, if you have the wrong kind of job, if you sound different, if you look different, whether you're from Tallapoosa or Temple, whether you're from Felton or Franklin, whether you're from Buchanan or Bremen or Bowden, from Carrollton or Corinth or Clem, that you still matter. That whether you're from the north or the south, you matter. East coast or west coast or can't see the coast, whether you're from United States or the United Kingdom, from South America or Africa or Asia, that you have a place at the feet of Jesus of Nazareth. That's why it matters. Think about all the incredible events surrounding the birth of Jesus and what that taught us. Think about the people who showed up when Jesus showed up. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, every kind of person you can imagine didn't just show up but were welcome to visit him. Shepherds in in those days, they were Jewish, but they were barely considered better than slaves. They were social outcasts, but they were the first ones to be told that Jesus was here and invited to come and find him. Simeon and Anna were wonderful, genuinely righteous people from Jerusalem, and they got to behold Jesus for themselves. The wise men showed up months later. They showed up, but they, they lived and worked among the royalty of the world. They were educated almost more, more than probably anybody else in the world in that day, but they came and bowed before him. The shepherds were Jewish. The wise men were Gentiles. So what does that matter? Knowing that Jesus, what's called the Nazarene, gives hope to the regular people like us, that no matter who you are or where you came from, the Savior born in Bethlehem is for you too. According to Ephesians, because of Jesus and what he did on this earth and on the cross, that there is now neither male nor female, slave nor free, Jew nor Gentile, socioeconomic stuff doesn't matter anymore. None of of that matters. All of us have been given the same opportunity by the same God to partake of the same salvation purchased for us by Jesus the Nazarene. That's why it matters. There's an old Christmas song, I think it's from Lanny Wolf, that maybe says it best. He became one of us so that we could become one of his. That's why it matters that Jesus was born, was, was raised in Nazareth. Now let's circle back to the other identifier that I told you we needed to talk about. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, but he was, he's called out of Egypt. Realize again that, G, that God could have sent them anywhere in the world to get out of the rule of of Herod. It was, it was not a huge territory that Herod was in charge of, so he just, they just needed to get out of, uh, of the place that he had authority in. God chose Egypt intentionally. Why? Egypt, throughout Scripture, was a symbol of slavery and sin. Isn't that right? It was slavery and sin. Now, I want you to hear me clearly. Jesus was sinless and perfect. Okay, so I don't want you to get confused here. He never sinned. So his calling out of Egypt didn't represent him coming out of the slavery of sin, 
But I want you to hear this just as clearly. Every other born-again child of God since then has been called out of the slavery of sin and into right relationship with Jesus. We've been called out of the darkness and into His marvelous light. There is no reason for any child of God to ever boast about anything because every single one of us had to come out of Egypt. Every one of us had to come out of the bondage of slavery and sin. And what the world hates about Christians probably most of all is that we forget who we are and where we came from. That when we come to Jesus, we act like we've always been perfect. And that's never been true. (laughs) Never been true. We've all been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And son or daughter, God's calling you out of Egypt as well. If you've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for your sins then you are spiritually still in Egypt. You're still accountable to God for the sins that you committed. The message of Christmas, the message of the entire gospel of Jesus is that you don't have to pay the penalty for your sins yourself. Jesus already paid the price. He paid it in full. He didn't give you a down payment and ask you to meet him halfway. He did it all. For you, And if you will accept that you are a sinner and that you don't want to pay the, the death penalty for your sin, but would much rather accept what Jesus already did for you on the cross, then you can be forgiven and set free today as well. You can move from Egypt into the promised land of relationship with God. If you haven't already done that, I pray that today is the day of your surrender and your salvation. Because in in a season of giving, there is no greater or more important gift than that one. The gift of salvation. But please understand that Jesus, Jesus didn't die just to get you out of Egypt. He died to get Egypt out of you. When you, when you stay in one place too long, you start to adopt the, cult, the, the culture, the habits, the customs of a place. Even when the children of Israel were delivered from slavery in Egypt by, through Moses, it took a long time before they could stop acting like Egyptian slaves. You say, listen, John, I'm, I'm saved. I, I'm still living in, in, in some ways that aren't right or aren't pleasing to God, and I, and I want to change. I know that is not right. I know I shouldn't still be doing that. I've still got some, some chains of bondage. I've still got some addiction. I've still got some habits. How do I get out of Egypt without acting like an Egyptian? And here's how you do that. You follow Jesus. You follow Jesus Because he has already been called out of Egypt. He's already done it. And he can show you the way. Jesus didn't just show us the way to be saved. He made the way for us to be like him. Becoming more and more like Jesus is what is, is, is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of sanctification. It's all part of the salvation process. And he made the way for you to do this. So no matter who you are, 
when you decide to follow Jesus, you should be changing and growing and, and becoming more and more like Christ the more you get to know Him. That's how chains fall off. That's how chains fall off. Because Jesus is freedom. And the closer you get to Jesus, the heavier those chains should start to feel. The good news is, He's already unlocked them. There's no locks on the chains that are holding us down now. We've just got to learn how to shake them off and lay them down. Because the price has already been paid. And He's already, He, held, he holds the keys to death and hell and the grave. He's conquered sin. It has no, read the book of Romans chapter 4 and 5 and 6. He, it has no more hold over us, no more power over us. We are not slaves to sin or anything else anymore because of the grace of Jesus. So, so today we've got to learn how to follow him out of Egypt and allow him to get the Egypt out of us and lay those chains down. Chains are for slaves and if you're a child of God, you're not a slave to anything anymore. Jesus was identified as the Son of God who was called out of Egypt and into Nazareth. I want to tell you something. He's not intimidated by your past. He is not intimidated by your past. He's not going to turn away from you because of where you come from. He, he already came from the worst place. Listen, let me tell you how, uh, how awesome the people he grew up around were. He went back to his hometown synagogue where, you know, like the religious people, like the best of the, of the people around there uh, would come and worship. And he announced who he was and that he was the Savior, had been anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. You know what they did? They pushed him to the edge of the cliff and tried to throw him over. That's, that's how classy these guys were, okay? They tried to kill him when he announced who he was. They couldn't see it. Couldn't see it. That's the people Jesus grew up around. He's not going to be intimidated by you or by what you've been through. And here's the reality. Every one of us has sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody, everybody, you're sitting around. So I'm looking around. These people look like nice people. Oh, they're pretty nice. They're pretty nice people. I'm like we ain't going overboard, but they're pretty nice people, right? Every one of us came the same path that you have to come. Every one of us. He he knows what it's like to be from Nazareth. He knows what it's like to be called out of Egypt. And he's calling us out of Egypt today. Here's the question I want to ask you. Have you answered the call? Have you answered the call? Have you come out of Egypt? And if you have, is the Egypt out of you yet? So why don't you ask the Holy Spirit to search you and to show you where there might be little outposts of slavery still lingering in your life things that are still holding you back things that are still binding you up things that are still tripping you things that are more tied to your old life of slavery than your new life of freedom and I promise you this when you sincerely ask the Lord to search you and to show you the things that you need to get out of your life that's a prayer he answers every time every time I don't know about you, it's hard for me to identify with a perfect God 
seated on high on a throne in heaven. It's hard for me to wrap my brain around that because I have no context for it. That's why Jesus stepped out of heaven. He took on this robe of flesh and he was born in a lowly manger, lived in sinful Egypt, was raised in humble Nazareth. We could never identify with a holy God. So he identified with us by coming to this earth. Why would you not want to follow a God like that? That's the question I want you to wrestle with today. Why don't you stand with me, please? Here's what we're going to do. I want to give us time to respond to, to the Word of God today. When, when you're God, every word you say should be considered and thought about, reflected upon, and, and responded to. And so I want us to not get in such a hurry that we miss the chance to listen to what he has to say, not just to the congregation, but what he's saying to you and to me today. So I'm going to ask the Corey to play something, the team to sing something, and, uh, and we're going to take some time to listen to what the Holy Spirit says. If you want to come to this altar and pray, if you have not come out of Egypt, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, then I want you to come and do that. And me or some other member of the prayer team would be happy to lead you uh, to, to make that decision. If you know that you've come out of Egypt, you have a relationship with Jesus, but you've got things that you need to, to shake off and shake free from, you come and, and we'd love to pray with you about that. And we also know that life's just difficult. And if you've got things that you're facing, struggles that are going on in your life that you need to pray about, whether it's a physical need, a decision that you've got going on, a relationship issue, whatever it is, you come to this altar and pray about anything that you want to pray about, and we'll be happy to pray with you. And we believe that when you lift up your heart sincerely to the Lord, that He hears you and He meets you right there in that need. After that, we're going to take communion together. So if you would, just make sure that you stay right where you are. We'll be dismissed together in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I thank you that you're a God who knows us and understands us because you lived this life on this earth. You lived it perfectly in a way that we never could, but you showed us the way to have victory in our lives. You showed us the path to salvation. You showed us the way to walk in freedom from the chains of sin. And we thank you for that. God, I pray that you would draw every person to this altar who doesn't know you. Every person to this altar who needs to be free of the, of the chains of sin in their lives. And I pray, Lord, that you, would, that you would save them and set them free. Lord, every person who's struggling with any other need, I pray that you would draw them here. And we know that when you draw them, that you'll meet them. We thank you for your goodness. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. 
At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.